0: Empire Heal back to Hachimura oh. um, First off, happy Thanksgiving everybody It was more just shocking to hear from him And understanding that he gets the most assist from me And the most spoon-fed baskets ever
1: You know, the culture is actually damn good To sit up there and to say you don't have a culture problem In the nation's capital Everything mm-hmm. about the organization points to a culture issue My got a good in another guy's shoe. I'm a little pissed off about it, but I know how I am. I was kind of expecting it. It's disrespectful. It was like Eric Killmonger going for total domination. What's up is mine. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions. Yes! Yeah!
0: This podcast is all over social media. So follow us on Twitter at Beltway Bro Pod, Instagram at Beltway underscore sports underscore bros underscore podcast. Also the Facebook group, just search Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. And you can also find us at BeltwaySportsBros.com. There's a podcast player right on the front page. If someone you know doesn't want to or know how to download a podcast app or even knows what a podcast is, just tell them to go to the website and hit play. Simple as that. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Beltway Sports Bros. Well, at least I am right now. I'm kind of hanging out by myself. Uh, Noel is on assignment, I guess we'll call it. Honestly, I think he's kind of, he's kind of pissed off right now <laughs> about how right I was uh, about everything surrounding the John Wall trade. And I was the first man on earth that made the prediction that the Wiz would trade for Russell Westbrook. So I'm pretty proud of myself there, not going to lie. And, um, check the notes, check the podcast. I'm pretty sure I said this about two and a half weeks ago, and nobody was talking about it. So, you know, maybe people will start listening to me, because Noel's typically wrong about everything. But Noel and I will be joined a little bit later on in the show with Wizards Insider, Bullets Forever contributor, and host of the Believe in Wizards podcast, which you can find every Thursday, our old friend Matt Moderno talking about the massive Wizards news that we got going on. So... I'm really excited about that. And you know, like I said, Noel will be there to lick his wounds about how wrong he was. Hey, and for that matter, Moderno, you know, he'll never admit it though. None of them will. All right. Well, (laughs) but first I wanted to go over the week 13 matchup between the four and seven Washington football team. I did it again, Washington football team and the 11 and Oh undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. So some fun facts did some digging here. These are kind of Actually, quite the opposite of fun, but let's let's talk about the last time the Skins beat the Steelers was November 17th, 1991. If you are a fan of the Burgundy and gold, yes, that was the last time they won a Super Bowl. So that's pretty good, I guess. It's only been 30 years, but and if you didn't know this at all and then, you know, they've played six times since then and Washington has lost all six of them. If we remember some horrific, horrific games um, that were on Monday night. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Luckily, this isn't the nationally broadcasted game because obviously the game was pushed back because of those idiots, the Ravens, you know, fucking everything up for everybody else. But this could work to our advantage. So uh, the game's going to be played at Heinz Field on Monday at 5 p.m. And um, it's going to be televised on Fox. Something I found kind of interesting with a lot of problems that the Steelers are having. For one, that Washington has 10 days to prepare for this game and the Steelers have four. So eight and a half point favorites on this one. On the injury front, some good news for Washington. Safety to Shazer Everett and tackle Cornelius Lucas were a full go on Thursday. And the team's looking pretty healthy. You know, Obviously, they've lost guys for the year. But those recent losses like Everett and Lucas, Lucas was a huge loss because he was playing really well at left tackle I don't know what they're going to do if they're going to have Moses stay at left which i I've been kind of a proponent for because I think he's played pretty well and you know finding a good left tackle is not easy these days as we know so uh we could have kind of just lucked into that and then if Cornelius Lucas can play a little right tackle I think we'll be in pretty good shape but for the Steelers they played the Ravens on Wednesday not quite as healthy first off uh, stud DN Bud Dupree towards ACL on Wednesday's game yeah, he's going to be out for the year. Huge, huge, huge loss for them. Also, eight players didn't practice on Thursday. I think a lot of them had to do with resting, like Big Ben didn't practice. So, obviously, he's going to play. But I think they do have some injury concerns, like running back Jalen Samuels. He left due to a quad injury, left practice on on Thursday. So, And then cornerback uh, Steven Nelson, he's, he's awaiting MRI results at his knee. So, those could be some, some big losses there. And, um, you know, they're down eight or nine players on the injury list so we shall see but let's uh let's start with Washington's offense versus the Pittsburgh defense so yeah you know Steelers are 11 and 0 they are let's call it how it is but Pittsburgh's defense is really good too but look at the teams that they've played number 1 let's let's call it they've played the NFC East not a great division i think that's well documented and by far the best teams that they've played this year have been the Titans which they squeaked out a 27 to 24 win and the ravens the first time, which you know they had their full squad there, they squeaked out another one at twenty-eight to twenty-four. Let's look at the rest of their schedule. In fairness, to be eleven and zero, you have to have some luck. You have to play some teams that um, maybe look better earlier in the off season, and then you know kind of have not lived up to the hype. Let's call it how it is. They've played the Giants first game of the year, who they were horrendous. I think I mean, would they start? I don't think they had a win for quite some time. Got the Broncos, not great. Okay, good defense, but not a good team. Texans have severely underperformed. This again, this was early in the season when before their head coach got fired, so they seem to have been putting it together a little bit as of late. The Texans, but you know they were not very good back then. You got the Eagles, who are horrible. You got the Browns, they kicked the shit out of them, but you know the Browns are are what seven and three, but they're the Browns. Uh, You got the Titans, who are good, very good. You got. The Ravens. Then you got the Cowboys. You got the Bengals and the Ravens. So, and the Ravens. I mean, that was their JV squad. And the Jaguars suck. The Bengals suck. The Cowboys suck. Come on. And last week, or on Wednesday, I guess two days ago, the Steelers looked the worst they ever have all season. Speaking of which, this is a team with like 50 players on COVID. The Ravens being so. And you know, they had to roll out old RG three pulling quads, and as he tends to do, throwing picks and. You know, par for the course for for old RG3. I feel bad for him. I was really rooting for him. But uh, when we're talking about the Steelers' defense, they're very good at stopping the run. You know, and now they've actually overtaken Washington. We've been talking about that for weeks, where they overtook Washington for the number one pass defense. But, hey, Washington's still number two. So, you know, let's not get crazy. But their defense, the Steelers, I mean, their defense is just very, very quick. And they can stop... Things laterally, which Washington likes to do, right? Um, Alex Smith likes to throw dump off, dump off after dump off after dump off, and the Steelers have very fast linebackers that can take that away, which is a staple in Washington's offense, especially you know with McKissick, for instance. So they're going to have to push the ball a little bit. Alex, he needs to throw some more intermediate passes, some stretch the field a little bit. He's been missing wide open guys in the middle of the field. I want him to play more like he was playing when he had to throw. He needs to play with some desperation. And that uh, Lions game, I mean, where the hell is that Alex Smith? Yeah, they were they were down big on that, but he can do that when they're still in the game. So I'd like to see that. He can still play it safe, but push the ball, man. Do it. Right now, their defensive line, their, their linebackers, uh, front seven, the Steelers lead the league with, with 41 sacks right now. And but that could definitely take a dip with uh, Dupree out. I mean, losing Dupree was huge. Now teams can really focus on stopping Watt on the other side. And, and you know, having two dominant pass rushers is a good problem to have for a football team. But Watt is going to – and he was he was getting a lot of attention before. But now he's going to have to deal with a lot of double teams. And, um, you know, I know he was before. But there's going to be a lot of focus on him. And, and that should hopefully take away his production. Or or turn it down a little bit. So Washington needs to do what they've done the last two games. They got to pound the ball with Gibson and Barber. If they can get some some dump offs to McKissick, great. Be creative. I loved what they did against the Cowboys. They were trying different things, uh, really cool formations, uh, tight end halfback pass types of stuff. Uh, Norv Jr. has been getting creative, and he's learning his personnel. They've moved up pretty considerably in the rankings. Um, I mean, they were dead last for a very long time. Now they're like 22nd in offense. And that ranking doesn't mean a lot when you're talking about yards per game, but you could see they were a 32nd ranked offense for a long time. And now, you know, they look like a competent offense. And that's all with this defense, the way that they've played, that's all you really need. And you can be successful that way. Speaking of of running the ball, in the first six games, Gibson didn't have more than 13 carries, and Washington was was one in five in those games. Well documented. They weren't trusting him. They didn't trust Gibson at that time. They were kind of easing him into it. He didn't carry the ball more than 13 times in any game the first six. Now flip to the last five, he's getting 15 touches per game, which truthfully still isn't that much more. But I think, as I've mentioned the last few weeks, it seems like he's starting to figure things out. Fifteen touches a game, he's getting five point four yards per clip on his rushes. So and then they're three and two. It's not a coincidence. They are um meshing their passing game and running game together. It doesn't look completely different like it did earlier in the season. They're not tipping the, the defense off at their running because everything is starting to look the same when when it comes down to passing and running, and that's the goal. Everything needs to look fluid and it, it's they have to confuse the defense. So that's not going to be an easy task against the Steelers, but it's something that they're getting more confident at. And I think they're kind of understanding who they are now. They're understanding. And this is, again, Nolan and I talked about this before. This is what we kind of expected this team to be, be able to run the ball, not get too much out of your quarterback. Your quarterback can make some big plays. And you know, I guess we're talking about with Haskins, but if we're talking about with Alex Smith in the game this is how you win with him you don't need to force anything but again I would like to see Alex put a real effort into pushing the ball down the field because we have some talent on this offense I mean guys that they put a lot of faith in gave one year deals to and and are producing these rookies are producing these second year players are producing so there's something there and yes are ranked number one in pass defense but they don't have a cornerback that can keep up with Terry and they need to exploit that. Um, they're pretty average when it comes to the secondary, similar to Washington. Honestly, they kind of have a similar defense to Washington. Good pass rush, very good. I mean, and if you look at the rankings, they're like one and two on everything and flip flopping. So people outside of Washington would never even consider these things. But if they have the they look the reality of it with the with the stats and the advanced stats. They're they're not far off. They really aren't. And um, but. When we're talking about Alex Smith, since he took over as starter, the offense is averaging 29.3 points a game. Yeah, they scored 41 in the last one and that's that skews things, but they're putting points up and you put up 29.3 points a game with this defense, you're not going to lose a lot of games and they're kind of figuring it out. Moving on to uh, Pittsburgh's offense versus Washington's defense, Pittsburgh's offense is kind of meh, you know? It's not anything special they don't really do anything particularly well. They're they're kind of, again, similar to Washington's offense in a lot of ways. I just think that they were better out of the gate. And what Ben's going to do, he's going to get the ball out of his hands quickly. He gets the ball out of his hands 2.3 seconds per pass, which is faster than anybody else in the league. That tells me that they're well aware that their O-line is suspect, and, and, and they know it. So, Shit, with Washington's defensive line, he might get the ball out one and a half seconds this week. I don't know. But with a lot of short passes and and even more so this week, because Washington's defense is probably the best D-line they're going to play this year, especially with that shitty schedule that they've played. But every offense against this defense has pretty much done what the Steelers are going to do, get the ball out quick. By week three, there were very few deep passes being thrown on Washington. Yes, they've had a few, but you're seeing... More teams do the the short dinking and dunking against them because they got to get the ball out of their hand quick. And it makes sense with all the quick passes. And Washington's defense has given up the fewest air yards in the league so far. It's about 195 per game. They're not thrown deep. And if you only watch Washington games like, oh, my God, they're getting beat deep. And that happens way more to other teams. So it kind of have to get out of your your bubble there, you know, because I see a lot of people on Twitter like, oh, they're always giving up bombs and it's like they've given up like sixes here or something. So they're number one. And that, that's quite a stat. And what we've seen the last few weeks, I, I really hate watching them play this way. But, you know, it's like a slow death. But the fact is they're playing this bend, but don't break defense. Right. And Del Rio said as much the last few weeks and it. But it's a fact, you know, I don't know if you were aware of this. But Washington actually has the best red zone defense in the league. Playing this bend but don't break way is obviously beneficial. So I guess I'll trust them on this one. But do it till it doesn't work anymore. Steelers do have playmakers on offense. But they always do somehow. They just kind of create them out of fucking clay or something. But, you know, they got Smith Schuster. They got Claypool. They got Deontay Johnson, Eric Ibram. They've got some speed, they've got talent, and keeping everything in front of them is not the worst idea. And I I can get behind that. You do it till it doesn't work. And they start scoring in the red zone, then then you got to make some changes. But so Washington does it best. The fact that they are giving up the fewest air yards, uh, I would say the last four or five games, Washington's tackling is light years from what it was early in the season, which is expected. Had very little training camp, yeah, they had barely any offseason. Of course, you're going to see worse tackling, but they seem to have really gotten it figured out. And this is especially true for Washington because, you know, they see a ton of those screen passes, dump offs, things like that to the running backs. They got to tackle well. A lot of those bubble screens to wide receivers. And so if they don't tackle well, they're in big trouble. And, and we did see that earlier in the year. With Everett coming back, that's going to give them an even bigger boost. I know Noel fucking hates the guy for some reason. He thinks he sucks, but. Facts are, we saw a massive improvement. Uh, there was a lot of confusion back there before Everett got there, especially thanks to the great Troy Apke. And once he took over, Everett, I mean, they seem to at least be in the right place. And that's your first step. And and Everett, he's a hitter. He comes in fast. He's never really got an opportunity to play safety. He's always been safe for special teams. And I think he's taken advantage of his opportunity. I'm thrilled about Everett coming back and I don't want Apke to dress ever again, uh anyway. <laughs> but something in conjunction to the fact that teams are throwing short, they're actually second in the league in first downs allowed per game at eighteen. That's a hell of a stat. Especially if you're playing Ben but don't break defense. So you think that they would give up more and I, I think it's gone up a little bit since they've made those changes, trying not to get beat, but and, and it could go down from now. But I think that'll also help because their tackling's gotten better. So if the tackling's there and they're throwing short, that should cancel each other out, you would think. So another crazy stat to me, I mean, they're they're second in sacks per pass attempt at 10.5. Steelers are number one. Like I said, they seem to kind of be interchangeable to Steelers' defense and Washington's defense. This D-line has slowed down a little bit, but that's just because offenses have adjusted. But we have a big enough sample size at this point, I would say, now just to know that they are making it hard on quarterbacks, Offenses have have to adjust to them, not the other way around. It seems like so. Not all the time. I mean, they still are only four and seven, but they've been they've been pretty impressive overall. I would say there's been some off games and things like that, but they seem to at least in second halves <laughs> they seem to come out like gangbusters. And something that I mentioned about the Steelers' schedule, something people aren't really talking about as well. Washington's had one of the hardest schedules this year outside of the NFC East games, of course. The NFC East is going to lower their strength of schedule, but everybody makes fun of the NFC East and rightfully so. I mean, they're not good, but a big reason the division is so bad is that they play the two toughest divisions in football, the AFC East and the NFC West. That's a tough draw. It always seems to be the East. I don't know why, but and this year is particularly a bad year for the NFC East, but they've played some tough teams, Washington and, and everybody else in the East. Uh, I'm not saying they're good teams, any of them, but I do think that if Washington had the Steelers schedule they wouldn't be 4 and 7 they also wouldn't be 11 and 0 but it's a week to week thing and um it, it always seems to be that way when these schedules are put out you know Washington had i think 12th or 13th coming in the season it's definitely gone up since then so i'm not making excuses just you know stating facts and i think that in order to have a record like 11 and 0 you have to have some luck and like i mentioned i mean the Steelers are not destroying people they've had one blowout and that was against the Browns. The majority of the games that they've had, they've been squeakers, even up till last week, or la- this week, I should say, against the Ravens. They were playing literally an XFL team, figuratively, an XFL team. But you know what I mean. And, you know, I guess it's tough to get up for a game like when you know that the, the players across of you suck or, or have no chance of beating you, but they did. And I swear to God, if RG3 wasn't in there, and is uh, it Stadium? What, it was a stadium whatever his name is their backup i don't know if they would have won that game and i was <laughs> truthfully rooting for the Steelers in that game because i did not want them to come in with a loss and just annihilate us you know at this point they're already pissed and uh, tomlin seems to be seemed like he wanted to rip somebody's head off uh i think he even said suck it in the uh press conference which was hilarious but <laughs> i i I don't know. The Steelers are, are not that impressive. They're not that different from Washington. Just look at the stats. Look at the players. Look at how both offenses stack up to each other, how both defenses stack up to each other. It's eerily similar. Yes, the Steelers are undefeated, but they are not going to go undefeated this year. One team, two teams have done that. One team with 16 games, and that was New England. And this team is not New England by any stretch of the imagination. They're a damn good team. But they are not a dominant team. They're definitely not the '91 Skins, and ironically enough, is the last time the Skins beat Pittsburgh was that year. That was a dominant team. This is a pedestrian 11 and 0, and it's weird to say that, I guess, because 11 and 0. I mean, I would. I don't even want to admit the things that I would do for Washington to be 11 and 0. I'd probably get arrested if I mention them on here. But I'm just saying, there's nothing overly impressive about this team. And that's what I'm saying. Just looking at everything involved, they're so similar to Washington. And with those similarities, I think Washington has a serious advantage. They got to win. They don't have to win, but it would be very, very nice if they did. They're healthy. They're rested. And I think they've kind of figured out what their identity is. This should have been what their identity was all along. But I, I think that they finally figured out how to run the ball. This will be the test, if they can, against a very good team, a very good defense specifically. So. The Steelers have beat two good teams, barely did that. Everybody else on their schedule was pedestrian as hell, if not way beyond less than pedestrian. They're getting four days of rest and they do have some of those injuries to in key positions. I, I think uh, that Cowboys game with week 11 with the Steelers, they probably should have lost that game. Next week, Washington annihilates them on Thanksgiving, which is their day, right? The Cowboys, I mean. So I think the Steelers are ripe for the picking, man. Um, I'm going to give you a prediction on this. The Steelers, again, they're not going undefeated. So why not us? I think that Washington wins this game, and I don't think it's going to be that close. I think Pittsburgh is going to be fired up because they played like shit in the last game. But I just think they're just going to be too beaten up. They don't have enough time to prepare. They are playing a rested team. And I hope to God that we don't start slow. We've kind of broken that to an extent. Yes, it was only the one Cowboys game, but the the prior game, um we're only down by 2 as opposed to 22. So that was a good start and um ended up winning that game pretty easily. So against the Bengals, I mean, I don't know. I just have a really good feeling about this game and I think Washington's going to be able to expose the Steelers' weaknesses that other teams have not been able to or they've just been able to squeak out victories because that's what good teams do. Washington has not been able to figure that out on a consistent basis, but I think that they are now. I think they're on the upward trajectory at the moment. Again, I think they figured out what they want to do, who they want to be, and I think that Washington wins 27 to 19. Book it. Okay. Well, as promised, let's go to Matt Moderno and Noel and talk some Wiz. All right. So Let's bring in our good buddy, Wizards Insider Bullets Forever contributor, co-host of the Believe in Wizards podcast, which you can listen to every Thursday, along with Larry Hughes, Mr. Matt Moderno. Thanks for coming back, buddy. Fellas, we finally have something worthwhile to talk about in Wizards world. It was an emergency
1: call, emergency meeting
0: we had to have on this This, one. This was a last-minute kind of thing, and you you cleared your schedule for this. I wanted to bring (laughs) the uh, the IQ of the show down a little bit for you. (laughs) the irony is, I think the first time you were on, we were like raising up the IQ, I think was, it was the title, you know, wasn't
1: ra- it? Yeah, raising the IQ. Yeah. Yeah. Trending the I right that way. Was huh? one, I, that might have been one of mine.
0: Yeah, that was one of yours. Congratulations, yeah. Noel. So obviously, there's some notable stuff happened on Wednesday night. Um, you guys, anything come to mind? The you know, Troy Brown with?
2: Jr. press conference?
0: <laughs> yes, that was huge. Let's talk about that. Um, but let me set the table, unless you live under a rock... The Wizards traded John Wall and a lottery protected first round pick at 2023 to the Rockets for Russell Westbrook, who happens to be a nine time All NBA teamer and a 2016 17 League MVP. Uh, because I was completely right on this in every step of the way. I, by the way, I wanted to mention I think I don't consider us media, but if anybody in DC media, I think I may have been the first one to mention this, what, roughly three weeks ago, even brought up the idea. And everyone laughed at me and thought I was crazy. And I'm just throwing that no, out. No, I
1: didn't think you were crazy. I just thought it was a dumb move. <laughs> That's uh. all.
0: <laughs> the fact that it was a dumb move made it less crazy too. Well, it feels good to be right. That's all I have to say. But um so let's just jump into it. Pretty massive news here in the world of the wizards who do you think won the trade on this one first and foremost Matt? I think whoever gets the better player always wins the trade like I,
2: unless you give up like an in, in insane haul which in this case I, I don't think a, a player who hasn't played in 2 years and a lottery protected first uh, and the protections get even you know eventually if 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 we do poorly because of this, it's protected to the point where it turns into two seconds, so it could be not even that big of a deal, depending on how this goes. I I don't see there's any 2028 or whatever
0: it is, something like that. Uh, Yeah, it's top eight through 2026, and then after that, it's two seconds. I saw on Twitter, it, somebody uh, posted that. I forget who it was. And then all these comments were coming. They gave up all that. It was like it was 2023, 2024. Yeah, yeah they gave I up was six like,
1: first round picks. From- like, Learn how to
0: read, idiot. I <laughs> <Yeah, exactly.
1: laughs> mean, people were every- all over it? <laughs> yeah. Every draft for the rest of uh, Wizards history goes to this. Yeah, It's but, the Herschel uh, Walker trade. <laughs> yeah, right. How do you think this is going to be with Beal? I mean, do you think it's a positive or a negative? How can they coexist? I mean, it's he knew what he had with Wall for better or worse. And now he's got a guy that is a ball dominant player. He's going to have to have the ball in his hands the majority of time in order to contribute like he has in the past. So, mm. where do you think Beale's head is at on this? I think he was fully behind it. I'm going to be honest. Uh, you know, the, you're starting
2: to hear leaks about how, well, you know, maybe he was pulling for this and. Beale's wife came out and was like oh I don't believe what you read but there's just no way they didn't do this without his blessing and and i got a quote for you that i wrote down from a, a much smarter better better hey, a little preparation
1: for us yeah no, thank you ready Thanks. Re- ready for That's, this one yeah <laughs> from, i'm ready from
2: david aldridge uh do wall and beal still like each other yes but did Beale want to wait any more for wall to get back to where he was before before the injuries did he believe wall was diligent about his rehab as he could have been did he want to get back or go back to a supporting catch and shoot role, which seemed inevitable, even as Wall professed he'd played differently with Beale going forward? Seeing how Beale's game had grown in the last two years, the answer is no. Um, Aldridge is as inside as you get with a lot of these things, and as much heat as the athletic took, our guy Shams, he had it right from the start here. So um, I, I'm taking that as a sign that subtly, you know, Beal was just like, hey, uh, my, my window's shorter here get me somebody in here that
1: wants it as bad as I do. And I don't think he thought John Wall was that guy. Well, I think he had it right as far as the trade potentially happening, but I don't know if he had it right as far as Wall requesting the trade. And that's where I think that there's a gray area here because Chris Miller was on the Sheehan show earlier and he's pretty damn close to Wall. And I don't think at this point in time, he needs to lie on Wall's behalf and said that Wall didn't request a trade. Matter of fact, he didn't want to leave. So I think there's parts of this that I'm not understanding what the the draw was for Westbrook, when to me, he's a dumpster fire at points. This is
0: splitting hairs, but I did want to mention Chris Miller said that he didn't want to leave. There was no follow-up question about if he requested a trade. So my thought on that is that he may have you know, gone nuts and, and heard all this trade stuff and said, I want to trade and then maybe backtracked at some point. But you're the insider. You got to tell us this stuff. So
2: I asked Larry about this one
0: because he's <laughs> he's
2: the one with the real knowledge of anything. And, and he said, look, he, he was in situations where guys, teammates of his were reported to have asked for trades. And they definitively said, no, I never asked for a trade, pause, dot, dot, dot. But my agent asked on my behalf. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, the organization never heard directly from that player, but the agent's like, hey, my guy's not happy here. So is it one of those situations or is it, I don't think we'll know for a long time here what the the real truth is, but I don't buy that he didn't want a fresh start and you just never convinced me of that and Chris Miller's awesome. He's, you know, he's as inside as it gets, like you said, but, I've also never heard him say anything negative about anyone that's ever played for the team ever. So I don't think <laughs> this is true. He's done Especially a that that, Wall that, that is town. true. No,
1: I mean, he definitely is a homer. That's for sure. And and for better or worse, he is that. So I, I will give you that. Who's the better fit for Beal at this point? If Wall is playing top-notch basketball, if he comes back and plays like he did 2016, 2017 ball, who would you rather have seen on this team? You know, it, it depends on how many ifs you're willing to build
2: in. Uh, like, I think that's the big, the big thing here. It, it's it's, sadly, the safer bet that Westbrook plays more games over the life of this contract. And mm-hmm. if you're trying to maximize your time with Beal, I, I think that's what you kind of have to bank on at this point. And I think fundamentally, Westbrook is the better player. I mean, when we talked about this rumors wise a couple weeks ago, I probably wouldn't have done it just because I, I I like wall's ability to set guys up but you know we talk about westbrook being ball dominant but wall drove me crazy with that shit too especially Mm -hmm. down the stretch of games where he took the fadeaway 19 footer with a heel on the three-point line you know with 22 seconds on the shot clock so i don't know that it's a huge difference
1: either way realistically well i mean i think that westbrook takes about double the amount of shots that Wall does on a regular basis. I mean, that's a huge difference. And when you have a guy like Beal, who right now has gotten to the point in his career where he was probably a snub from the All-NBA team, he thinks that he's one of the better guards in the league. Mentally, he's an alpha guy. He thinks he's one of the better players in the league. That could have potentially rubbed Wall wanting to get out as well. But you're bringing in a guy that has a hell of a lot more street cred even than Wall does. So now all of a sudden, what is he going to go back to running screens and coming off of screens and and standing at three point range, watching Westbrook run around and jack up shots like a chicken with his head cut off? I don't buy it. I just don't. I don't think he's going to change his game back to how he was when he was second fiddle to wall.
0: Well, back to Chris Miller, and he mentioned that as well. And he was talking about that. This is basically this trade. This is Beal's team now. And that kind of paused me for a second. I'm like, hold on. This is Beal's team. Yes. He's on the team. He was there before, but we're talking about a guy who has made the All NBA nine times in a league MVP. I'm a little concerned about that too, honestly, because I don't know how they're going to coexist. And, and Westbrook has been known to rub people the wrong way from time to time. And Nolan and I've talked about it quite a bit. You know, we don't want. This to push Beal out, but I think that they were in this situation one way or the other with Wall or with Westbrook, and I think Westbrook is the better player than John Wall. But how are they going to work that out? I don't know. I mean, I think it's a totally fair point to say
2: that that Westbrook's going to take a lot more shots than Wall. I don't know why it has to be as one to one as he will definitely take those shots away from Beal, mm-hmm. um, maybe situationally, but. You know, Scott Brooks has never been great about staggering his starters, but uh, maybe he does a better job of that. And there's just a lot of guys on this team I don't want shooting the ball at any point. So if (laughs) if 10 more shots, you know, are taken from the combo of Robinson, Bunga, Brown, Wagner, (laughs) and Westbrook,
1: I'm cool with that. That's a good point. So as far as the Bertans aspect of things. I felt that one of the biggest draws for him to sign with Washington was because he was excited to play with Wall. Now, he's got his deal. He's locked in. It's not like he's going to say, hey, I want out too. But this just seems like it happened so fast. And a lot of people were left in the dark, minus the top echelon, Beal, Leonsis, and Shepard. And I don't think that Bertans was given, obviously they had no reason to tell him, but I'm just wondering how some of these guys that were in love with Wall and one of the reasons why Berton stayed are feeling about all this.
2: So uh, one of the other things I talked to Larry about and just, hey, you know, a lot of these guys, you actually played against Westbrook at some point. What do you think about him as a teammate? Or what have you heard sort of, you know, behind the scenes? And he said, look, man, if there are bad things to say about a guy, those things come out and I've never heard them about Westbrook. And I can tell you, a couple of them firsthand where guys have said those things about wall so i actually think we might be getting an upgrade in terms of locker room stuff now he's a dick to the media he's you know he's a little more intense but i actually think that's probably a good thing and and bertans is kind of a no-nonsense guy like he's the dude when people are are being kind of uh you know wishy-washy in the locker room at media time he steps up and is like hey we sucked we didn't defend like, Right. I think that'll suit him better. And one of the things, you know, Noel, to your point, it's is Wall probably – do we have, like, a more perfect vision in our mind of, like, Wall kicking it out to Bertons for an open three? Right. Yeah, for sure. But who are all the good shooters we've seen Russell Westbrook surrounded with to set up? I mean, the guy averaged – like, you can't fake assists the way he could pad the rebound numbers – He had to like create opportunities for guys, and he was doing it for guys who couldn't shoot for shit. Like Andre Roberson, I I think I could shoot from the NBA three-point line, granny style, the same percentage that he does. (laughs) But now you've surrounded him with Beal and Bertons and those guys. I I think he's going to be able to set them up
0: just as much as Wall could have. No, I think that's great. I think that's a great take there, Mr. Moderno. My one. And it's true. I think that we talk about that he had... You know, uh Durant with him and, and Harden and all that. I mean, that was early in their careers, you know, when they weren't fully True. in their prime. And Westbrook has outside of last year when he had to share with Harden, he's kind of been a, a loner and the guy puts up numbers, he puts up wins. I mean, we haven't had a fifty point sorry, we haven't had a fifty win season what, yeah. since the seventies? Yeah. At least. So at the very least, To me, this means more wins. This means more
1: interest. You're absolutely right, Matt. It is going to mean more wins in the short term. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to get bounced in the first round of the playoffs like he does every freaking year. Except for the one round in Houston. It's also in the West. In a freaking bubble, okay? So let's not make it out to be like Westbrook. Westbrook is a regular season guy. He hasn't accomplished shit in the playoffs. So let's slow down. If you want to get 50 wins and you want to get a a triple-double out of a guy, he's your man. But let's slow down with Wall v. Westbrook, like Westbrook has had some productive career as far as wins go. He has no trophies except for an MVP. Oh, he's played the last two years, so... That's something. But what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? I'm talking you were talking about getting fifty wins, and what I'm saying is he has not done anything in the playoffs. He has well, he
0: has. He's been in the NBA finals. God. And you that's see what, what
1: I'm dealing with, Matt though. So, you see so, what I'm dealing so with. So
2: everybody shits on the, the quality of teammates that that Beale and Wall have had. You know, Gortat's probably their third best overall teammate. But if you take away like the Durant Harden team and we're not counting that finals trip, the the best guy that that uh, Westbrook has played with is is Harden or or George. You know, he had a pretty good year. But then the drop off for them and their third best teammate is pretty steep too. And they still produced better in the Western Conference right. than than the Wizards did in the Eastern Conference. I mean I think, you know, he he's not like this winner of like he's gonna get him to the finals guaranteed right off the bat, which Glenn Consor, the radio broadcast team, predicted Eastern Conference finals, which is insane. But what? <laughs> yeah I mean, he gets paid by the team, so, like, I guess he has yeah, yeah, to, has yeah. to seem like he's on drugs, just, but a right. propaganda, yeah, but I mean, there's no way he doesn't give you a higher ceiling. I just will that translate to anything beyond like best case scenario they get to the second round? probably not, but. Was this team definitely going to make the playoffs with Wall? Was he definitely going to play 72 games? Uh, Probably not.
1: I think that if he was playing at a high level, if Wall would have come in and he didn't need to play like he did when he made All-NBA, he could have come in and been respectable, average... 18 and nine, something like that. I see no reason in the East why they couldn't have been a six to seven seed, something like that. Where are they getting with Westbrook? Maybe a couple seeds higher on the short term. six seed probably. Right. So what are we talking about? So you're getting a name brand, obviously bigger nationally wise than you are Wall. But I think in the long term, if Wall would have gotten his head out of his ass and he would have realized that he can coexist with him and with Beal Berton's and the supporting cast, that I think it's more of a long-term fit. I don't think Westbrook is a long-term fit, in my opinion. I think that it's a smash and grab job. That's how I feel about it.
0: Well, my opinion on that is that they made the best possible trade that they possibly could. Sure. You've got a guy, again, I mean, the facts are facts, hasn't played in two years with a torn Achilles when his entire offensive arsenal is based off of speed. Yeah, he may he looks good. I mean, we've talked about it last what, a couple of weeks ago with you, Matt. He always looks good on these little videos that he puts on on social media. There's always promises. Every single offseason, I'm gonna I'm gonna change this. My shot's gonna get better. I'm now I'm gonna you know run around off the ball. Or how many times do we say better defense? Oh, defense is now the focus of this team. To me, it's just like this team went as John Wall did for a very long time, and he was the leader of the team, but he took many nights off. How many backup point guards would put up 30 spots on him that you haven't even heard of? He made Alfred Payton's career. Right, right. Yeah. That shit is maddening to me, watching every night of this you know, horrendous defense, uh, not fighting through screens, and that, as the leader of the team, that rubs off on them. To me, at least, Russell Westbrook is a psychopath competitor. the very least, you're going to get that out of him. And he's going to bust his ass every single night. And I think that's an upgrade in itself.
2: I think the, the, the deal breaker, the, the tiebreaker here is, where do you think this person is likely to go so hard that you have to drag their corpse out of somewhere? Like Westbrook, I could see going so hard in the gym, you have to drag his dead body out. While mm-hmm. I could see going so hard at Rose Bar, you have to drag... <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah how, how many times did he come in in the season overweight even when he was healthy and he had to work his USA way back
2: and you look like a human hangover
1: it's just not a good look <laughs> well we could sit here and bash wall all day long I'm you know about what he had no you you have you've been doing it the last three shows what matt the matt that i i care about is opinion um <laughs> what do you think wall's legacy is with the wizards looking back I know we can talk about the gang signs and everything else right now in the immediate past. What are you looking at as far as wall? I mean, he played here for an extended period of time. He had some great teams with great, great for Washington. Pretty darn good. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, This is tough. And and I was trying to like reconcile this in real time with Larry, because we we recorded a little bit earlier today and just trying to walk through my feelings in, in real time here. And, you know, on on the positive side, he got drafted here. He came in, was the face of the franchise from day one. Uh, you know, he did some dumb shit with the gang signs or whatever, or the cards on TV. But in terms of, like, actual adult in the room, he never brought guns to the locker Like, he was an upgrade overall <laughs> He's in the community. I don't think you can underrate that for somewhere like D.C. And, you know, he played through a playoff run with a broken shooting hand, like, and just balled out as best he could but there was always sort of a cap with him and I think he goes down as honestly one of the all-time wizards and I just think the ending makes it a little weird and complicated because you waited a long time to see him play the the injury and the deal isn't really his fault but those things are always sort of going to be held against him that he never really lived up to that contract so it's tough I mean if I'm cynical it's they paid him like a top five player, and he was nowhere near that at any point. Uh, so it, it, it's hard. It's 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 both things. you know. It's good and bad.
0: No, I was wondering this. So uh, all these rumors are going around about the gang signs. Noel brought it up. It rubbed Leone's the wrong way. And from what I'm hearing is this wasn't necessarily Shepard's decision. This was on Leone's because he was just done with the gang signs. He's done gang signs after he's hit big shots or his two or three big shots through his career. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But no, he, he would do that on the court. And the NBA actually reprimanded him pretty hard for doing the gang signs on the court. He did it on the on social media. Do you think that Tommy Shepard was behind this trade? Obviously, he had to make it happen. But do you think that this was something that he pushed for as well? Or was this strictly Leone's thing?
2: You got to go well into the luxury tax or get extremely lucky as an NBA team to be able to win an NBA championship. So if you're not going to really win at a high level, what's sort of your next tier goal as an NBA owner? It's to sell tickets, it's to sell jerseys, it's all these things. And I think every move that Ted's made in the last at least several years, if not his entire time, has been with that in mind. The Hatchamore thing was we reached on the guy 10 spots before we wanted to because we wanted to capitalize on a market. The, like The first sentence out of Tommy Shepard's mouth was, Ted's excited about bringing in fan bases from another country, and actually two countries with Denny Abdia because he's Israeli and of Serbian heritage. So, two more countries that now give a shit about your franchise. So, you'll never convince me that this wasn't partly, hey, it's hard to market a you know a, a guy who did gang-related stuff in some way in a city where you had to change the name of a team from Bullets because of gang violence. <laughs> And I just think they think Westbrook will sell more tickets and keep Beal around, which will sell more tickets. And and that's kind of where they're at.
1: Yeah, I completely think it was marketing. It was one for one. I think they got the best thing they could out of the trade. And they got a guy that is nationally recognized. He's one of the better players in the league. I mean, there's no denying that at all. The bad taste that I have is, and I'm a Wall fan, the bad taste, like you said, is what. Could have been. We'll never know that. And I would have had a better feeling if halfway through the season before the trading deadline or something like that and Wall was playing well or Westbrook still wanted out and Wall said, look, I've still got it and I'm not playing second fiddle to Panda and then wanted out. I would have had a better taste in my mouth in that situation.
2: I got one counter to that real quick, Noel. What if they don't trade him and from day one, he just looks washed?
1: Oh, absolutely. That's what I was absolutely. About. I totally agree with you. They made the right move on the trade. I'm not denying that at all. I'm just saying from a personal aspect of yeah, things, I'm totally with you. I would have liked to have seen what could have been. We've waited a long time for this opportunity, and I would have just liked to have seen it. It just leaves some an unfinished chapter. That's the part. The trade is tough. I mean, people get traded all the time. I'm okay with that. and they like you said, they did the best they could. But it's just that unfinished business that I would have liked to have seen. That is um, the issue that I'm having. I'm with you. Do you have anything else? Well, lastly, I wanted to say, so what do you think as far as this team going into the season? Man, we've got a couple weeks here. I know Wall hasn't played. Matthew's made abundantly clear he hasn't played in two years. Everybody knows that. But he still Mm -hmm. knows the guys on the team. He's been (laughs) around these guys. He's practiced with some of them. They've seen him. Westbrook's coming in. He's an alien. And he's going to just drop in. And my concern is, is that when that he's a monster. Happens, when that when that happens, <laughs> you go to what you know. And I feel that initially, at least, it's going to be a Beal alternate Beal Westbrook gun show.
2: I think this year is going to be really weird, from the sense that a lot of teams are going to stumble out of the gate because they really rely on summer leagues and training camps and all those things. And if you have two guys that you can just give heavy usage to and rely on. I actually think that's going to get them off to a better start. Like, while they they had already said they would have to ease him in, there'd be a minutes restriction, he probably wouldn't play on the second game in a back-to-back, which in a condensed season, there's going to be more of this year. So I think this allows you to hit the ground running a little bit more, even though there's not sort of that chemistry and, and cohesiveness. He's going to do what he does, and I think that naturally will just sort of fit with some of these other guys.
0: We all want Brooks gone. He's getting an extension right out of the bat. He's getting an extension. That was my yeah. first thought
1: when I saw this. I was like, God damn it. Enjoy it, guys. Like, Enjoy it. I, so, I love it because I'm not as hard on Brooks as you two are. I'm sucks. loving I'm I'm reveling in the fact that, that this is going to happen now. More so for brother Matthew.
0: Well, okay, fine. They're great. But at the same time, <laughs> it was actually said, and this was really good good news on my part, on, on the Wizards' part in general, is that Russell Westbrook actually wanted to come to the Wizards, which is baffling cuz nobody wants to come to the Wizards, but so he actually this was his place he wanted to come, he wanted to play with Beal, he wanted to come back and play with Brooks. Do you think that this is going to change anything from his coaching style? And also, it's been widely reported that Westbrook is is difficult to to deal with. Knowles made that point over and over and over again. I think that's a little overblown personally. Is he like a a Phil Jackson kind of guy when it comes to Russell Westbrook
2: I I never know how much to like value an NBA head coach and so this is one of the things I wanted Larry's take on immediately is does this give like Brooks more credibility in that locker room like the way you coach your best player sort of trickles down and if you can't coach wall because he's always in street clothes next to you Like, you know, and and he's not really sort of a buy-in guy. Like, he cussed out management in a practice in 2018, like, in front of everyone.
1: That was awesome, by the way. Which is is a baller move.
2: (laughs) You know, if Westbrook comes in and and he's no nonsense, like, right out of the gate, and he's just, like, instantly buys into everything Scott Brooks says, I think that gets him a little bump in the locker room. And now when Brooks says, like, we have to play harder – If Westbrook's like, yeah, bitches, you got to
0: play harder. Like now I think people take that to heart a little bit more. And that's what I was kind of saying, because John Wall did not play hard unless he wanted to, you know, he would step up his game on defense. If he was playing another top point guard, that was pretty much it.
1: I'm waiting for that first time when Westbrook feels like Beal got his ass handed to him because he's not a stellar defender either by any means when he gets blown by and then Westbrook gets in his grill. Let's see how that pans out. I'm gonna love to see. see, see that I'm gonna well. love to see that one. How that how that one goes.
2: He, I think you need that. I think some of these yeah. guys sometimes need a peer with that they respect more. And if you hear like the Aldridge comment about Beal questioning how hard Wall was actually rehabbing, how much respect yeah. is really there? Whereas like if he wanted Westbrook here. You know, they liked hanging out at All-Star weekends and stuff. Like, Beal doesn't get invited to those, actually. <laughs> well, not not recently. So. <laughs> That's apparently where they first bonded was the, yeah. the 2017 All-Star game, I think. But, you know, if he's yeah. like, bro, you, we're not going to win shit if you don't guard people. I know this. And by the way, I've been doing Western Conference finals or whatever. I, you know, maybe Beal takes that to heart a little bit more. How
1: much bonding can be done in two and a, in three days at an All-Star? It, it's amazing how many deals... <laughs> And how many bonding experiences these guys have had because they go to the club for a couple of days. It's really amazing how many franchises have turned just on that three-day weekend. They, In
2: shock? They asked Brad Beal who the greatest leader uh, leader he'd ever been around was. And he said, LeBron. And they said, well, when were you around <laughs> LeBron? And he said, oh, at an all-star weekend. I, I played mean, on LeBron's on. team.
1: So it was like, that. that's your greatest Was example? that when LeBron drafted him dead last? Uh, or? Probably, yeah. <laughs> a real leader of men, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Beal was on a prove-it deal on LeBron's team. (laughs) He proved it to him, though. (laughs) Ended a contract. Yeah. How do you
0: think this team's going to be this year now? Do you think that they are going to – you mentioned you think that they have a higher upside with Westbrook, Um, think they're going to be fifth or sixth seed, something like that. How many wins are we looking at at 72 games? I'm trying to like do the conversion math there of you know what would be the equivalent. <laughs> right. 50 is uh what? 45 yeah, or I, something like that. Yeah, I guess it would be, 40 right? 40
2: and 32, maybe something like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm predicting like a 6 seed. If it were me, I would say, look, Hachimura's value is never going to be higher. You hate that guy. I just I just don't you really have it in I for don't Hachimura. see the fit. If you pay that much money for Berton's, they can't play together. You know, two of your more important players like, can't be on the floor down the stretch if you want to remotely have a
1: chance to guard anyone.
0: Can you put so, Bertans at the three? Is that crazy? I don't think so,
2: yeah. He can barely stay in front of most I fours. saw
1: somebody on Twitter put, they had projected lineups after the trade and they had Bertans at the at, at the three. Absolutely not. God help us. They will close games together. And I think because they hope
2: Hachimura can be the one to guard some bigger threes. I think that's a recipe for disaster personally. Um if, if his three point shot's a lot better, so be it. But I don't know that I buy it. And I just think if he has a year now where he looks the same or doesn't improve, like the value goes down. And if you're going all in to win with a 32-year-old point guard, flip that guy for a veteran starting small forward and and let's do this thing.
1: Well, I, I think they can still do that with Hachimura in the lo- on the roster. He's their only I mean, real they- asset unless they want to give up more picks though. Right, right. But I think that Hachimura has to be given an opportunity to grow. He still is new to the game to a certain extent as far as this side of the ocean. So I think that when it comes to him, He's generic in a lot of ways. I don't know if he's necessarily going to improve. He's not going to get any faster than where he is. His shot needs to get better Obviously, He's very he stiff. Flat. He's stiff. And that that's what I was getting at as far as he's not very fleet of foot. Hmm. And I don't think you can teach that but i think there are parts i think his work ethic is there sure. i think Great that character. he's willing to get dirty yeah. and i think those parts are attributes they don't really need much out of him but to get that garbage man stuff going
2: i don't want to hear like the Kawhi thing cuz that makes me want to jump out a no, second story no, window no, no. but look like no. if you look at the better teams in the league you know what what archetype is he is he uh, you know, filling from, from those good teams. Like what, are, who are the other players he's similar to on a winning team? He, he doesn't shoot it. He doesn't defend. He's a power forward who gets blocked at the rim more than almost anybody I've ever seen, which is surprising to me for a reasonable athlete. I, I'm not hating on him as a player. I just think he's probably like a sixth man caliber player, realistically long-term on a good team. We're going to shoehorn him as a, as a starter he doesn't fit perfectly with Bertons who you just gave a 5-year deal to. Flip him while he's got the most value for somebody that's most ready to help you make a deep run now if this is what you're going to try to
1: do. I guess it would depend on what you're getting, but I think you're I don't want to see yet another guy that what could be cut short in one season. I just I, I don't know if I can live through that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the objective is to keep Beal at all costs,
1: so at do what you got to do. At all costs, Matt, at all costs. Burn the house down. Yeah. Maybe that's what he learned from LeBron. Bring in whoever the <laughs> hell you have, burn the house down where you go and You're you on know, GM. bring in who you want. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well thanks Matt for coming. Really appreciate it. Again, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Moderno. And also at Believe in Wizards. That's spelled B L E A V. Very confusing, by the way. That something it's not needs my to fault. be changed on this. <laughs> but um <laughs> And again, you can check out Matt's work on Bullets Forever. Again, every Thursday on the Believe in Wizards podcast with Larry Hughes. Check that out. It's phenomenal. He's going to get a lot of listens, a lot of downloads this week. Let's hope. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We're on all major podcast platforms. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you like this show, please share it on social media. Again, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook group, and our website, BeltwaySportsBros.com. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the game on Monday. We're going to have a real reaction pod on that one, right? Noel's going to be extra angry, I think. If they win, I won't. You get angrier when they win, I think. It's strange. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Thanks, guys.